Minus three is presented for the people by Caesar Sportsbook, the greatest sports betting app of all time. Download it. Must be 21 or older. Minus three with Dave Damashek. Hi, hello, and congratulations on making the playoffs, football fans. Unless you didn't make the playoffs, then I'm sorry. You can start looking ahead to the draft, free agency, and all the rest of it. Hello, sports fans, and welcome to the brand new episode of Minus 3 presented as ever by Omaha. In just a few minutes, we're going to get into a compelling matchup. One of the great stories in the back half of the 2023 NFL season, the rise of Josh Allen, really just about as much as one man can carry in an entire football team. Josh Allen did it, went on that win streak when there was no room for error, and he came through clean on the other side. I do have some concerns. I'm not wild to the point of giving the Pittsburgh Steelers zero chance in that matchup on Sunday, but that is one of the more compelling matchups. I think even though at the time of this recording, the bills are laying nine and a half to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Everything will get going as I'm sure you've looked at, but just in case you haven't the Brannies heading down to the Houston Texans, CJ Stroud and company did it against the Colts. The Texans at home, what do they get out of this? Being a home dog to the dogs from Cleveland, plus two and a half. The Chiefs are laying three and a half for the Miami Dolphins. I think that one's a little more compelling than you may think. I mentioned the Bills and Steelers. Packers and Cowboys getting it on for the umpteenth time in January. Cowboys laying seven and a half. Lions giving three and a half to Stafford. Everybody is consumed by Stafford playing the Lions. You know who has a real chip on his shoulder going into this one? Jared Goff. You guys traded me away and then won the Super Bowl. You think Jared Goff wants to get this one? And then, of course, the Monday night recap, or recap, the Monday night uh, wild card capper is your Eagles, who are really playing about as badly as any pro football team against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers feel-good story. Bucks plus two and a half against the visitors from Philly. Eddie Spaghetti, I got to tell you, I enjoyed watching your Giants beat the Eagles. I know probably better for the Giants to lose that game in terms of draft position. But of course, it's got to feel good beating the arch rival that whole week. 18 delicious stuff. I love. Listen, you've heard me if you've listened to minus three at any point in the last four months. Mostly lament the state of these Pittsburgh Steelers. I am a Steelers fan through and through, and I didn't have high hopes so much as I did expectation on watching the process of how this team's been built as Roethlisberger finally moved on. The team felt like it moved on and where they loaded up in terms of personnel. I thought that the Steelers were going to be a little more competitive than they were. I had them at 11 and six. They've landed at 10 and seven. Good enough because that 10 wins got them into the playoffs and I'm over the moon for it. Okay, would like them to have a bye like the Ravens have and all that. But in the year, the first football season without the old man around and all his proclamations about the Steelers and Pitt and all of that stuff that after a lousy Pitt football season, a disappointment that the Steelers still landed on their feet as, uh, you know, my family, at least, will take it as an homage to the old man for all of his rooting and hand-wringing over the decades with that team. And that's really what is fun about sports is hitting up the people that you care about and enjoy watching these games with and celebrating with them, or if you have to, lament with them. 
I was pleased to be able to exchange uh, texts and otherwise with all my pals and with my family and sister Amy and I, who the old man took in 19, in January of 1979, frigid uh, AFC title game. The Houston Oilers paid a visit to Pittsburgh and it was so cold. The old man took me and Amy along with Uncle Mike and Uncle Scott. And we were so cold, we were pouring the hot chocolate on our on our bare hands. It was really weird, but that's how bitter it was out there. And I found myself 45 years later rooting for those same Houston Oilers. I know they changed their name, but they're the Houston Oilers to win against the Jags. They did. And I got to say, even if your expectations are super high or down in the dumps or wherever you land with your team, if it was in contention in week eight or week 18 or going into week 18, that's one of the more fun experiences as a fan, in my opinion, is coming down the stretch in pro football and doing that math. Like, so we need that team to lose one of their last two. Or that week 18 game between those two teams, if they tie, we could still lose and still get in. All that stuff is great, especially when it works out in your favor. Tip of the hat to you, Derrick Henry, Ryan Tannehill, and you Houston Oilers or whatever you're calling yourself. We appreciate it in Pittsburgh. And Jags, what the Steelers don't appreciate or the football gods don't appreciate is you're messing with that terrible towel. I hope everybody's learned their lesson. Eddie Spaghetti, real question for you. You're an objective football. Well, you're not objective. You root for your team, too. But you have no rooting interest for or against the Steelers, I don't think. Do you think, do you do you feel as a grown-up person that who cares about the terrible towel? Or do you see, have you seen enough evidence in your lifetime? Like, just don't do it. If you were a head coach, would you tell your players, if I see any one of you messing with a terrible towel, I'm going to cut you. No, I mean, I think that the it's part of the team's identity. Uh, I think that you should embrace it and you should lean into it. It's kind of like we we're talking about last week with like why I like college more and college more fun because of the pageantry, the extra add ons they have where the NFL, you know, gets the, the moniker, the no fun league. Uh, they find players for every little thing. And, you know, the referees get to skate by even though they're ruining games. I think it's great if teams have a little, you know, gimmick sort of uh, thing going on. Now, my team doesn't have that. We don't even have gimmick, gimmick, gimmick my butt. Is. This is don't you see it's a force for good or evil depending on how you choose to use it. Yeah, so I I'm I'm it's again it's part of the organization's history. I'm completely fine with that. I think fans should have every game. I think players like every player on the sideline is doing it like in a, in a raucous environment. I think that's quite fun. So I'm I'm pro terrible towel. Boy, we will get into this with Hench as the week unfolds here, but there are a lot of juicy storylines in these playoffs. And like I say, we'll focus in on this Bill Steelers one with all the intrigue around that. There is no intrigue, by the way, I should just say. If you are one of these weirdos who thinks that the Pittsburgh Steelers might start the guy who hasn't played since the start of December over the guy who just reeled off three straight in the fashion he did I don't know what agenda you have, what kind of weirdo you are, but I haven't time to to discuss that one. What I have all, all the time in the world for is Jordan Love going into Big D in a game that the Cowboys again, yet another, have to have it in January for legacies and the 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 wiring of what is going to be in 24 and beyond with McCarthy and Dak, and they got to get this one. And the Lions, like I say, hosting their hero, Stafford, is wonderful. And can the Eagles right the ship? And maybe the craziest story of them all is the 
fact that, well, I, I, I got uh, in my head, I got sidetracked a little bit because I was thinking I'm already kind of interested to see what these divisional round, I just don't want to gloss over what's going to be a great wild card weekend, but man, the Ravens could well catch the Browns or the Steelers. That would be just, just marvelous uh, stuff. If that happens, then again, the chiefs could go to Buffalo. Always good. When Mahomes and Allen hook up, that's dynamite. But that's the thing with the discussion around these fights. Nobody has anything to say about the Kansas City Chiefs. Everybody is consumed by the run of Josh Allen and the demise of the Eagles and can America's team finally get right this season and the Niners are a machine and the Ravens are a better machine and there is just, everybody has assumed that the Chiefs are cooked and it's really weird given what we think and we did that to Tom Brady and Bill Belichick and you see what we got for it. I caution everybody, no matter what your rooting interest is. If you think that you're just going to walk over the Kansas city chiefs, I don't know. I, I am, I am not going to announce that the chiefs are irrelevant this January, given what they did last February. And in the, uh, in the weeks and months running up to that, right? Spaghetti. I've been, that's been my theme all year is not to hit the panic button. When teams lose some games, I've kind of been sticking by the Eagles, although they're making, they're actually giving a reason to panic, but I think they should take care of business versus the bucks. Um, it happened to the 49ers. They're losing streak. Look, you still have Mahomes. I, I think Kelsey is, yeah, he's getting older, but I do think it's mostly uh, just nagging injuries all year long. I still do trust Andy Reid in a, in a playoff game. He's been there and done that. Uh, I think that game will be very, very fun. That being said, like I, I, I do think that if your Steelers got the Chiefs, it was it would have been a way better matchup. I I could definitely see Mahomes, you know, just struggling. He hasn't had a very Mahomes like game in quite a bit of time. True. Um, even with the emergence of uh, Rasheed Rice and Pacheco's playing really well behind them, but um, it, yeah, they're not as strong as they've been in, in years past. So I, I think, in a way, though, that makes for a, a better playoffs. Uh, obviously. Ravens Niners to me, their head and shoulders above the rest of the competition. But I, I do think like it would not shock me if all these like underdogs won these games. Uh, I think there's a real chance that I think we have a really, really fun weekend ahead of us. And, um, you know, uh, and not, and not my biggest takeaway though, and not talk about teams out of the playoffs, but I think the Jacksonville Jaguars to me, that was my, my like number one story leaving this weekend was, Holy crap, this team with number one overall pick Trevor Lawrence, the future of this team and a division they should have smoked everybody. And in, in, despite how great CJ Stroud was and Gardner Minshew played for the Colts, like they should have smoked everybody in that division. They should have won it, ran away with it. I had them in the AFC title game. You bring in Doug Peterson, whoever else is going to fix stuff, obviously wins the Super Bowl in a probable fashion. And again, we should be focusing on these playoff teams and we will for the next two months. But as bad as the season was with the Panthers with two victories, if you're a Jags fan, if you're a part of the Jags organization, there's no worse taste in your mouth than how this season ended to a, a bad Titans team. And like, what do you do now? Like you're, you're, you're Trevor Lawrence already has doubters. Doug Peterson should be on the hot seat for ending the season the way they did. Uh, terrible times there for a team that we thought were gonna was gonna be on the rise. So again, not to take a hard right turn to not no playoffs, but to me that that weekend ended as much as yeah the Giants beating the Eagles that was a lot of fun. I'm like man, the Jaguars like they are now like the team that I will never never ever uh, feel confident in, and you're starting to question like was Lawrence really this generational guy? Um, bad times in, in Northern. Yeah. Florida. Bit, legit big year four for that guy upcoming. At least the bungles QB went out at the halfway point in the season. They have an excuse. The Jags have none. 
Um, I do love that. As I say, I'm not, I'm resisting the temptation mostly, but I do think another point I'd like to make at the outset of these playoffs is one I've been making for six weeks is I Cowboys or Eagles that, you know, six weeks ago, clearly they were the one a and one B to the Niners, but I think the lions and I think definitely the Rams as Will Brinson said on this show a couple of weeks ago, have a better shot at knocking off the Niners in California than either the Cow. I mean, the Cowboys, it, it's got to be, you, you're rooting for somebody else to do the, your work for you because there's, no, I, I'm telling you, hear me now, believe me later. If that's the matchup, much will be made of it, but I'm telling you now, the Niners will whip them again. That will be the result. That's how these things go. You whip a team on that level once you're going to whip them again. And I think the same goes for, for the Eagles in that regard too. So maybe Stafford goes out there. I guess that would be a fun storyline. All right, listen, let's get into it now. Let's focus in on one and then we'll, we'll do all the games for you later in the week. But right now, let me squeeze in a quick break here. You know, when the conversation turns stampers, I always go with my number one as Caesars. Let's talk about them a little bit, shall we? Tickets to the game, merch, meals at iconic restaurants, stays at Caesars Palace. All this can be yours when you bet with Caesars Sportsbook. Win or lose, every bet earns rewards credits, which you can redeem across the empire. Now, if you haven't started yet, register using this code. Listen up. Omaha full the word Omaha and the word full and then you place your first bet up to $1,250 if you win great if you keep those winnings but if you lose you'll get your stake back as a bonus bet 21 and over only offer valid and must be physically present in Arizona Colorado Illinois Indiana Iowa Kansas Louisiana Massachusetts Maryland Michigan New Jersey New York Ohio Pennsylvania Tennessee Virginia West Virginia and Wyoming new users and first $10 plus wager only must register with eligible promo code bet amount of qualifying wager returned only if wager is settled as a loss maximum bonus bet $1,250 bonus bet expires 14 days after receipt tier credits and reward credits will be added to account within seven days after qualifying wager settles. See caesars.com slash promos for full terms. Void where prohibited. Know when to stop before you start gambling problem. Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, Wyoming, Kansas, affiliated with Kansas Crossing Casino, call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Licensed through Horseshoe, Bossier City, and Harris, New Orleans. Massachusetts, call 1-800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Ohio, Pennsylvania, affiliated with Harris, Philadelphia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER or West Virginia, 1-800-GAMBLER.net. New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. 
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. All right, let's get into the big game. The big game in these parts, Steelers, Bills. First up, you know them from Locked On Steelers podcast. If you aren't watching it on YouTube and or getting in your ears, what are you doing with yourself? Also, Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, he does a podcast there. He makes pages there. He is the jack of all trades. He's also our pal. He's Christopher Carter. What's happening, fella? Muzzle Tavians. The Steelers did it. They made the playoffs. How'd they do that? They they stuck to it, Dave. And like I think this is where you know you could point to certain certain some problems where Mike Tomlin didn't do enough here or there. It was a young team. They needed to mature. But the question is, when they reach those. Uh, those those problems do they mature? Do they bounce back? Do they take advantage of their opportunities? And when they were seven and seven, and everyone said they're down, they're done, they're finished, they're down and out. There were people in this town comparing seven and seven to being four and twelve, and I was like, y'all need to relax. And they showed you exactly why. George Pickens went from being the malcontent guy who was complaining about why he couldn't block at the goal line to getting three hundred receiving yards across two games, blocking for Jalen Warren on a touchdown, uh, and then in the third game perfectly being fine with accepting a decoy role, not getting a single target and hugging Mason Rudolph after the game, after they won. I think that Mike Tomlin, you got, you give him time, you know what he's, he knows what he's doing. He finds a way to make his team competitive. um, Even when they have a lot of things rolling against them. And even when this is still not a roster that is supposed to dominate right now, like this is still a, a Steelers team that, I think that, you know, because they didn't develop Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett didn't develop into the franchise quarterback this year. If he had, I think that they are a one seed in the playoffs right now. Uh, but they 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 didn't get that. But you saw it with just some competent quarterback play from Mason Rudolph. They, they smoked two teams, and then they found a way to survive a monsoon game uh, at the end of the season. And uh, I think that they're a, t- a team that if, if you – if the Bills don't come out and play their absolute best game, Steelers are going to be right in there with them, and it's going to be a dogfight. Well, I agree with that last point. Let's start there. Yes, the Ravens are the class of the AFC. By the way, yep. the Steelers beat them twice, not once. They beat them with Lamar Jackson. They beat them with the backup in the game that they had to have this past week, and they land in the playoffs improbable as it was. And for the record, I like to not jive anybody, Carter. This is uh, my my cardinal rule here. With all my stuff is no jive policy. I, I shoot straight with you. I thought the Steelers were done when Minka Fitzpatrick hurt his knee in Indianapolis. I thought understandable. They're 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 gonna get whipped the rest of this game without Minka back there. And so they did. And really, where do they have to go? They can't lean on a defense when it is as devastated by injury as it is, and Trubisky playing the way he was. I I'm also vexed because I felt like, man, they got to go to Rudolph after that Trubisky performance against the Cardinals. You got to go with the other option there. Had they done that, there would have been less suspense, but they landed in the same place that they did, which is in these playoffs now headed to Buffalo. Let's break it down real quick for we first question. 
Sure. You know, what if it a little bit, and then we'll get into the actual X's and O's. Do you think that the Chiefs, the defending champions with Andy Reid, one of the five or 10 best coaches of the Super Bowl era, and with the guy who may go down as the greatest player in the history of people, do you think that that would have been a better matchup for the Steelers, or is it going to Buffalo? I think the Chiefs were the better matchup. I even said as far as I think the Bills were the worst matchup for the Steelers of the three teams they could have played going into last weekend. You look at the Dolphins and how hurt up they were. Uh, that's a Dolphins team that last year when they had every guy that they wanted, the Steelers were six points away from beating them with a rookie Kenny Pickett who threw three interceptions. So I look at that team and they're, they're a different team this year too. Like they, but they're dealing with so many injuries. Uh, you know, they're, they're, they're in a rough spot. Um, you know, the, the Chiefs right now, sure, Patrick Mahomes is a bad man at all times, and you do not discount him. But you know what I do discount? The fact that they don't have any other receiving weapons that can scare you other than Travis Kelsey. And we've seen pretty much week in and week out, teams are starting to learn how to take him away. And so now you if you're if you're the Steelers and you get Minka Fitzpatrick back, I think you could what you could do is you could say, Hey Minka, go take away Travis Kelsey. Everybody else. We're going we to force Patrick Mahomes to beat you with Justin Watson, with Darius Toney, with Sky Moore. And, not, and no diss to Sky Moore. He's a Shady Side Academy kid. He's from the bird. But uh, you you force the Chiefs to do that. Now, the Chiefs have a better defense than the Bills, in my opinion. I think that they're, that would be a different threat. You know, Chris Jones is a bad man. And uh, against Mason Cole, that could be a problem. But as far as an offense to face and a team that they, they could hang with, I think I really thought if they drew the, the Chiefs, they could have walked up in Kansas City and been a big problem for them. But I I, I, I love I, still, I, I do love the divisional round, and I'm certainly not uh, anxious to skip past the wild card. But the possible matchups of the you know with uh, and by the way, Stafford v. Golf is juicy stuff. But I do wonder from the Raven side of things, what is the scariest proposition for them in the divisional round? Is it they can't catch the Chiefs? If I have, they could catch the Dolphins. If things break right, they could catch the Browns or they could catch the Steelers. And if you buy the premise that the Ravens are sort of like that pitcher who dominates in his first go around the league, but then once batters get a look at him a second or third time, he regresses a little bit. I wonder if the Browns and Steelers are the scariest options for the Ravens. They don't want teams that are very familiar with what they like to do showing up in Charm City for that divisional round, right? Well, well, Dave, what was the Ravens record this year? It was three and three in division, Chris. That's what it was. And who were those three losses to? Well, that's Steelers exactly right. That's right. And the Browns. So I think you answer that question and we can worry about that next week. And by the way, mm -hmm. among those possibilities for the divisional round, I just said it. If you get Steelers at Ravens, EGAD, and I don't care what the final score is. If you disrupt the magic so season, just that they have to get one more shot at the Steelers would, would be a fun week of conversation, if nothing else. But okay. Let's talk about the Buffalo Bills. And you mentioned who the Chiefs don't have or what they don't have in a pass catching sense. But let's start there with trying to make a case for the Steelers, not just showing up in the playoffs, but actually taking a run at the Buffalo Bills in a really rugged spot. What should be frigid, maybe snowy. How about that is the first question. Is that beneficial to Pittsburgh or to Buffalo? Oh, it's beneficial to Pittsburgh. The Steelers want this to be 
a, a, a muck it up game. They want this to be nasty. They want it to be like that game when Le'Veon Bell went for like 200 yards against the Bills back in, what was that, 2017 when they had Terod Taylor. Uh, they, they want this to be about running the football because you know who's the best running the football between these two teams? The Pittsburgh Steelers. And sure, if you look at their totals on the, on the years and it doesn't, there's, there's things like, oh, I'm not so sure about that, Chris. You know what I'm sure about? I'm sure that in the last 10 games, the Steelers have rushed for over 100 yards eight times and 100, over 130 yards seven times. And when I look at the Bills and how they play football, they're 11 and six in four of those six losses that they that they've played. They've given up over 130 yards, I think it was, to to opponents um, uh, in, in in rushing. Uh, in three of those six, it was over 170. That is your ticket if you're the Steelers. You are running the football down down their necks. You are you are putting every bit of pressure on them. To have to prove to you that they are good, that they they can stop your run, um, and if you get that going, and here's the thing, you you have that ratio. The Steelers uh, throughout the year they were not great at possessing the football, but towards the end of the season, um, they they got a lot better at that, and you saw them having an, an average time of possession of like 35, 37 minutes in some games, uh, to the point that whereas in the beginning of the year, they were like in the bottom five, they finished at the end of the season right in the middle of the NFL, 17th overall. Um, and that's a pretty, that's a pretty good stat. Now the bills, they're fourth in, 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 in time of possession on the, on the year. So They've been able to do that throughout the season. But if you're the Steelers and you take that away from them, not only do you put the give, give your let your offense kind of grind down their defense, but you're going to give Josh Allen so many. There's so less, so less drives, a, a lot less, fewer drives to get his game going. And that's going to if if he doesn't hit early on and they don't build a lead, it's going to force him to get aggressive. And we all have seen Josh Allen, great quarterback, awesomely talented you know, should, should be in the MVP conversation and everything. But when you put pressure on him to have to do things, you can get some a wide variety of results, including the, some of the terrible interceptions that he threw against the Dolphins. And heck, one of the touchdowns that he threw also should have been intercepted. So um, I think that it, it's no gimme. I'm not saying that Josh Allen's, oh, oh yeah, just, just get a lead on him and you're going to be fine. But with this defense and the way that they've played this year, let, make no mistake, this is a defense that's been banged up. They've been down to fifth and sixth linebackers, sixth and seventh safeties. Uh, they've been they've, they've had two, just two games all year, Dave Damashek, where Cam Hayward, Mika Fitzpatrick, and TJ Watts played from start to end without in without being removed from the game twice. If you had told me at the beginning of the season, I would have said, okay, this probably isn't a playoff year for the Steelers because those are the three kings of the defense. And yet they have found ways to play. Minka Fitzpatrick's coming back. Demonte KZ's coming back. Eric Rowe's playing very well. Patrick Peterson's playing very well. Joey Porter Jr.'s come along in the secondary. You're in a position now where I think if you're the Steelers, you know exactly what you what, what, what you want to do on defense. You've played this Josh Allen's Bills team before. You know how to get pressure. You stuff the run. You make James Cook a non-factor in this game. And you and you can stop Josh Allen from using his, his legs and force him to read zone defense all game long. Make him make accurate throws and pounce on the opportunity when he misses. Because you know at some point he is going to miss. Well, I mean, obviously the major storyline of this game. Everybody loves their simple narratives. And this one is obviously... Let's settle once and for all who the best 2018 NFL drafted quarterback is, Josh Allen or Mason Rudolph. All that when that when that final gun goes, that hash at least will be settled. Now you talk about the pressure, and I know you're talking about actual practical pressure. There is the pressure of the curse of supposed to hanging over the bills. They should make quick work of Mason Rudolph and company. 
These are the rays of optimism I have from the Steelers POV as far as that goes. Everybody seems to have some amnesia about the mighty Bills who were probably a tick better a year ago than they are now. But either way, you remember Skylar Thompson going in there a year? That was a year ago, everybody. They barely survived that game before Mm -hmm. Joe Burrow went in there and absolutely destroyed that team. So the idea that this is a juggernaut because they reeled those wins off. Yes, impressive by any standard in the NFL to win as many games in a row when you have to have pretty much every single one of them to get into the tournament. But pull it back just a little bit. Outside of the victory in Buffalo against the Cowboys, which came the week after Dallas finally got over on Philly and you felt like maybe emotionally they were due a letdown there. Has Buffalo really been some sort of a buzzsaw? They barely survived against the Chargers in Los Angeles. They barely survived against the Patriots. Patriots, yep. And as a reminder, on Sunday night, people swooning all the, oh, did you see what Josh Allen, resilience, everybody, he has no quit. Well, yeah, he can't quit because they were only in that game through three quarters because their total point count came from a punt return for a touchdown, and a deflected ball that just as easily and more often than not gets picked instead of caught uh, at the back of the end zone like that. So the idea that you're good luck handling them, yes, Josh Allen is going to get his, but the the buzz saw that we saw last year has not revealed itself very much, if at all. And if Gabe Davis can't go, you talk about, well, if you take away Travis Kelsey, you're really hurting that Chiefs offense. What good are you going to do now with JPJ being a true number one in that he doesn't just take the number one pass catcher. He travels all over the field with him. So, you know, JPJ Jr. V. Stefan Diggs is that matchup. After that, how exactly does this Bills team beat you? I think they still, you can't overlook Dalton Kincaid as an athlete at the tight end position, even though he's a rookie, you can, you can still get there. James Cook, if they can find creative ways to get the ball in his hands. Look, one of the ways the Steelers have been beaten this year by certain teams earlier this season, if I'm the Bills, I'm looking right at the tape of the Texans and the Niners games. How did they get the ball to their running backs in different spots to confuse that defense and, right. and neutralize the edges um, and force the linebackers and the safety to be the ones that came up and made all the tackles all the time and, and read that. Now, the Steelers, I think, have gotten a lot better at that since those games because quite a few teams have tried to replicate those those types of concepts. And the Steelers have been better at countering them in the recent in the recent months. Um, But uh, if if I'm if I'm the Bills, James Cook is an athlete. I loved him come out of college. I think that he's he can actually get to do some damage for you there. Um, But I I think you do have a point. If Gabe Davis is out. That puts the Steelers in a position. Well, he's not going to be at full speed. So if he's not, if he doesn't have his primary right, his a primary superpower, threat. then how bad is he going to kill you? And I get right. Fournette. And to me, I know this is as simple as it gets, but that's basically been the Buffalo Bills of 2023. It's Josh Allen or bust. And um, the concern, obviously, you want TJ Watt on the field against anybody you're playing with, uh, playing against, but specific to this matchup, very few human beings can match the the weirdo level of athleticism of Josh Allen. TJ Watt can, Nick Herbig probably cannot. Do you buy that there's enough? Because people are kind of glossing over that to make a case in favor of Pittsburgh on the banks of the three rivers. Like they, they're all right. They can get by without one. Yeah. Against a lot of teams. They can't, I don't know with that six, five moose running around in number 17, if Nick Herbig 
and the rest of the gang are enough to stop him from making the two or three special plays that could be enough for them to win the game. I don't think that they alone are. No, I think this is going to take a rallying effort around the team. But And I agree that it's not so simple as, oh, just replace T.J. Watt. Of course, that, that'd be silly. Even Marcus Golden said uh, this week, he's like, look, like there's no replacing T.J. Watt. We can fill in for him, but we can't replace him. But I think what they're going to tr- what they're going to do in this game, uh, I look at this. I think this is the most prepared that they have been at outside linebacker to handle the absence of T.J. Watt for a game or two. Right. They've been since he became superstar TJ Watt, because now you have Herbig and Golden, who you can rotate in with Highsmith. You have a, you have a, still have a trio of pass rushers. Like they're not the same trio as pass rushers as when TJ Watt's healthy, but they're 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 actually threats, and it's going to require guys like Alex Highsmith stepping up, and he can still make big plays. It's going to require guys like Keanu Benton and Cam Hayward making plays up the middle. It's going to require Landon Roberts maybe to be a good leader at inside linebacker. It's going to require Minka Fitzpatrick probably making a play on the ball and, and, and causing some of those turnovers, and getting him back is going to be help, is going to be huge for this. I, I think they can do that. Another factor that I think could really play in their favor is the way that they play defense. That's the other thing. There's been a lot of chatter this year about the Steelers and, you know, the coaches that they don't like. And people think, oh, they should just get rid of the defensive coordinator because he's not doing a good job. The Steelers have the sixth best scoring defense in the NFL right now. And a big part of that is because they're able to disguise so many different things in the back end. It is one of Terrell Austin's specialties. And it's why they brought in Patrick Peterson so that he could be part of that because they wanted another veteran presence back there. It's why Minka Fitzpatrick loves that, loves that defense and loves working in it because he knows there's so many moving pieces and you can do so many different disguises. That's what you want to do to Josh Allen. Disguise him up, get him to make a mistake and see if you can take advantage and and, and catch the bad ball when he when he throws it. I think there's a few things that work in the Steelers' favor in that department, but you got to make them work in your favor. You cannot allow the Bills to control the tempo of this game. Can't allow them. You remember the last time they played the Bills, they got blown out the blown out the doors. Um, that all that all started with allowing Gabe Davis to score on a 99 yard touchdown. You can't give up those types of plays in this game. Uh, otherwise, it will come back to hurt, hurt you. Right. No. Listen, the Steelers can't afford one of those plus touchdowns by yeah. Buffalo. They can't have a punt return against Make them. earn them. everything. Right. Then the Steelers do need to get that. We need one of those Killebrew special block punts and so a fluke or three along the way to have probably a real shot in this one. Although I do absolutely buy that there is an advantage running the ball against this team. The other question I have for you, a couple real quick for you, but specific to this Bills game. Sure. What is a reasonable expectation for Mason Rudolph in this spot? He is, after all, a guy who, you know, a month ago was the number three on a team that had no offense to speak of. I do sense, though, maybe it's because he follows me on Twitter, but Coach T is finally listening to Damashek that when the defense isn't as mighty as you hoped, you have to hit the gas a little bit more. I see that they are taking situational they're being more aggressive in certain situations in in short yardage situations near midfield that they just didn't used to do. But I also think, do you think that the that the task from Tomlin on down is, hey, Mace, just don't kill us as it basically was with Pickett? Or is it in order to win a playoff game, you're going to have to make a special throw or five here along the way? And by the way, that's secondary for Buffalo has some flaws and maybe 
if we can get number two on cork in one of those nice deep balls that he knows how to throw that there's a potential advantage there i think no one it's it's got such an underdog vibe to it from everybody from not from not in pittsburgh na- national uh conversation is like okay so after the bills beat pittsburgh then who are they gonna you know that's the conversation I think there's a puncher's chance there because of number two. It's not just that they might be able to run the ball and all of that. I think the way Rudolph's playing, unless the spot is the mythical too big for him, unless he feels that, I think there's a practical ability to maybe make some plays downfield against the Bills. I absolutely think there are. Right. Mike Tomlin is not going to tell Mason Rudolph to, to go into a shell. He's going to tell him to trust what, what his reads. And I think there's reason to give him that. You look at the way Mason Rudolph has played in these games, Dave. I see a, a Mason Rudolph who has faced pressure right in his face, has, has seen blitzers That's coming right. at him and has, has reacted properly. Or the coverage has just been there and he doesn't panic. He doesn't try to buy time and hope for a, a sandbox play. He's like, you know what? This play's dead. Kill it. I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna live for the fight for the next day because he knows the offense isn't about him. He he is a game manager and game manage the best game managers are the ones that realize I'm not the show. Getting the ball to these playmakers is the show. And again, game manager is not, it should not be come off as a. That's why we've changed it. Tone. It's not game. It's not game manager. There are gunslingers. That's like uh, Josh Allen and Ben Roethlisberger uh-huh. and John Elway and so on. The other side is an assassin that's uh, when you got it assassin pinpoint accuracy you understand studied understanding what's going down before it happens having a plan tom brady drew Brees, peyton manning you see okay I, well that's the I, way I, to go assassin I, I feel I feel like a I feel like I still feel like there's gunslingers who are assassins. I, I don't think I'm not like like an assassin to me is like Kobe Bryant. Like I'm going to take your neck off at the, in, in this game. But I, I hear what you're saying. But it, but that's the whole point. I don't think there's anything wrong with game manager. Game managers are guys. You go out there. Don't lose me this game. You're going to be the reason why we're still in this game. But the players around you are going to be the reason why we win it. And if you and if we, and if we win with that, you're going to get paid because of it. And that's what Mason Ruff has done each of the last three games. That's all they've been asking of Kenny Pickett. And as a person who covered Kenny Pickett in college, who I think Kenny Pickett has that potential in him. He hasn't done that enough this year. And that's where Mason Rudolph has stepped in. And you look at the you look at the uh the first game he played against the Bengals. He said after the game, yeah, you know, we knew that they were gonna double team Pratt Frymuth. They double teamed Pratt Frymuth. Guess what he did? George Pickens, Jalen Warren. Deontay Johnson, like he, he spread the ball around and, and they were able to work with that. And he said, yeah, we knew that was coming. Um, you go to this past game, the, the Ravens, they were doubling. I would look at the all 22. They were doubling George all the time. And there was either a linebacker with the corner or a safety with the corner, but there were two guys in his vicinity almost the entire game. So Mason was just like, okay, you want to take him away? I'm going over here. Deontay Johnson, 80 yard touchdown and all the checkdowns in the monsoon again. You look at those stats. The if you it, it, all testimony about the game, whether you watched it or you saw or you were there for it, you saw how crazy that was. It is very difficult to throw the ball in that in those kind of oh conditions. throw that game away. Whatever, whatever. Right. That's what I'm saying. Goofy he may have looked in that game. I mean, everybody looked like a goof out for that one. It was a it was a deluge. I'm not exactly. worried about that. Um, I I, I do sense that there that when you have a devil may care attitude owed to like. I was your last option. You know, if I lose, what did I do? Anything worse than Trubisky did? Like, I think he has that freedom. Once you get to the playoffs and he understands legacy, forget that. But I'm talking about contract in 24 and everything else. Mason Rudolph has now put himself in line to maybe 
outprice himself for the Steelers as a backup or on a, you know, a, a mid-tier two-year deal. But you talk about money, and this is my last question for you. And by the way, you know who was right about Kenny Pickett? You, and to some degree, Dumb Dave. We said Kenny Pickett is struggling making plays from the pocket and seeing yep. over the line of scrimmage. He's too spooked. Yep. That's all Mason Rudolph is doing. It's not a small thing, but he stands in there when guys are literally from the other team touching him. They're shoulder to shoulder with him, and he's still standing there as though he doesn't feel them there and making the throw. I don't know how you fix it for Pickett, but anyway, we have more to worry about in the short term, which is, does Tomlin, I think there's a real chance that he walks away after this but does making the playoffs put the Steelers in a much worse position if Tomlin chooses to walk away when this thing is over because all the good candidates will probably have already been locked in with a new team right or do you or do you think that's not going to happen so we don't need to worry I think we are all being played Mike I've said it. I've said it, Carter. Don't, don't. I, I, I'm nobody's dupe. I have also floated that as it. Ah, they're just Mike getting Tomlin up a market going, for him. Th- th- this is the man who just chastised the media for asking him if he would take a job at USC, and he was just like, "Are we? What are we talking about here? This is the job of a lifetime." Mike Tomlin has plans for the Steelers. He wants to develop this core. He's been de- he's been developing this core. He wants to see the future. You know, if if this core fell apart. Like if this season did go seven and ten, and then you know TJ Watt wanted to go somewhere else, then Mike Tomlin would be gone after maybe another season or two after that. But it doesn't ever happen under him, and that's why I think he wants to stick around. This guy is not tired of the NFL right now, and he's not tired of the Steelers team. I think he likes the Steelers team. He develop. You think he's developing George Pickens right now for somebody else? No. All Mike Tomlin. All this stuff is. You know who started this whole Mike Tomlin might want to leave thing? Jay Glazer. You know who's really good friends with Mike Tomlin? I I said that I get it. Yeah, he's trying okay. to get him a payday. That's all. This, all that. this is is to say, right. hey, Rooney's. Uh, I do actually. There's a there's a consideration here that I might want to walk away. And so when they get to the negotiating table, he's not going to get you know a John Gruden offer. You know, he's not going to get part of the ownership. But he's going to get a. I think he's going to get a decent extension, especially with the way they finished this year. And I compared it to this. All season long, or not all season, ever since they went seven and seven, I said, you know, people talk about, you know, how can you extend him after this? Bill Cowher received an extension in 2000 after the Steelers went seven and nine, six and 10, and then nine and seven. And when when Dan Rooney talked about why they gave him the extension after the nine and seven season, it was the third straight year they missed the playoffs. Two of those years were losing seasons. He said, it's because he never lost the locker room, especially at the end of the season. They rallied. I think they went three and it one. It is in the last wild, four games. and you know that. And by the way, Eddie Spaghetti, if Chris Trapasso, Bill's voice, that's going to join us, is ready to go, have him join the party here. We'll say goodbye to Carter in just a second here, but it's fun to overlap them and have them do death stares at each other. You know, and maybe they yes, can debate totally. who's better, Josh Allen or Mason Rudolph. But either way, um. Well, if you have any thoughts on that, no, we can move on from that. Yeah, I I agree with you. And I do think it is remarkable. I think that it is a knock on Tomlin that he misread who the QB should have been. I mean, but that's a massive, like not understanding your personnel. You stuck with Trubisky even after that game. You didn't know that or didn't have a sense that maybe this would be better. If it went, if we give this guy a shot, they, but anyway, they, it all worked out. The, it all worked the, out. The entire NFL had a shot to have Mason Rudolph this year. You know who passed on him? 
I get every it. single NFL. Well, team. I well also the other yeah right of course uh, the Patriots entire dynasty gets way too much credit for having the savvy to draft but Tom Brady. So much, yeah, you passed on him for five times, five times two Patriots. But 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 that's but that's what I'm saying is that like it, like yeah sure did he mess up absolutely I think that was a mistake that that cost him at least a game or two this season. But here's my thing with the with, with with that is that nobody was looking at Mason Rudolph, especially after the way he played. But he got benched for Duck Hodges earlier in his career. Like no one was looking at him that way. And in in practice, you would need to see the things to make to maybe encourage that he could be that guy. And I I, I can I, I think there's an instinct that it, maybe they weren't seeing that in in, the, in those in those in those instances. Um, but he when he stepped up and he I thought it was it, money. I thought it was money playing with Trubisky. It's like. That contract it, it, that was, was not a great idea, and now we got to ride with this. That was certainly part of it, but Mr. Trubisky won them games last year, as I smacked my mic. Okay. But my biggest thing with, with, with the whole Mason thing is like, yeah, but I don't think anybody saw saw that coming. Mason Rudolph said himself he was going to go into commercial real estate after this season. Like, that was his, that was his plan. He didn't think, think that this was, this was going to happen. But what you've seen is for those who think that Mike Tomlin plays favorites, he just doesn't like Mason Rudolph or anything like that. When the Ravens game was getting chippy and he wasn't, he, he, he fumbled the ball and it wasn't looking short, he never wavered. He never was like looking at Kenny, Kenny, warm up. Like he never did that. He said, Mason's going to get this win. He has faith in Mason Rudolph, just like he had faith in Mitch Trubisky, just like he has faith in Kenny Pickett. He believes in his guys that he has on the field. That's what a good coach does. He puts faith in them. And then when they prove you wrong, you adjust to it afterwards, but you don't run away from them. You show them loyalty and they will. And if they're good enough, they pay you back. That's what Mason Ruff's doing right now. Well, I see it from, I see the, the two sides of the coin with like, look at what happened with Antonio Brown and Levy and Bell. He gave him too much rope and it scuttled the Steelers best chances. But also you look at George Pickens and the handling of that when all the world, I mean, people, credible people, not Looney Tunes. were saying, they, they got to get rid of George Pickens. They got, they got cut him. Like, they're going to cut the second year wide. What, what would that do? And Mike Tomlin was like, everybody settle down, would you please? I, I got this. And then the guy goes out and has two of his most productive games ever and is not just explosive, but central to Steelers victories there. That big one in Seattle. Yeah, I think that is another uh, check in the Mike Tomlin resume that's hard to debate who would have brought that malcontent to this place that quickly in games that the Steelers absolutely had to have. Listen, when it's an absolute gotta have it kind of conversation, Chris Carter is the guy I go to. He is on my short list. I appreciate that he jumped in here for this important discussion. Steelers, Bills, last thing, Carter, give us your final score. Man, it's too early for that. You gotta okay, like, okay, okay. Up. Unfair, unfair, unfair. You're right. <laughs> You're right. All right, fine, I fine, it back. fine. I'll give you, you, you twisted my arm. All I want for, okay, if you want to do it, I don't want to kill your big announcement later in the week on your show. Just, can you say my favorite center's name loudly? Not football center, basketball center. Oh, oh, Federico, Federico. Federico, Federico. Better days <laughs> lay ahead in 24. The worst in 40 years for Pittsburgh sports is now officially in the rearview mirror because of this playoff appearance and the rise of these Pitt Panthers. It's coming this spring. Hang in there, Carter. They're going to turn it around. Enjoy watching that playoff game. Nothing better than that, than being in the NFL playoffs for a week. Great times to have these kind of conversations. So we appreciate you making some time to have it with us. And now a quick break. Break. 
Very interesting stuff, Eddie Spaghetti, but I wouldn't be doing my job if I were only focused on positives for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Wait a minute. If that is the definition of me not doing my job, we really need to make some changes in 2024. And they start right now. We have to get the Buffalo Bills side of things before this wild card round game. Who better to talk to about it? And by the way, I, I do have to say, for the record, there is no team. I, I think I am on the record repeatedly with this comment. If my team ain't going to win the Super Bowl, I think my number one choice would be the Buffalo Bills for their fan base. So no ill will. However, right now, your team is standing in my team's way of a showdown. Showdown number three with the Baltimore Ravens. That's what I'm rooting for. Let's see if this guy thinks that's at all possible. He is a Bills diehard. You know I'm on CBS Sports. Most importantly, check him out, scoutinggradebook.com, because now the big part of his football calendar is about to kick off. That is evaluating all the draft guys or the names you're going to be hearing a ton about over these next few months. He's our old pal from the NFL, Chris Trapasso. How are you, man? I'm doing good, Shaq. That's quite the intro. And I think it's interesting because I've been on with Sigmund Bloom of football guys before, and he is a Steelers fan. He lives in New Orleans. Hmm. He has said the same thing that he loves the Steelers like since the 70s. But he's always said to me that if the Steelers don't win the Super Bowl, he's always rooting for the Bills. So I don't know if it's a Rust Belt thing or the fact that the cities are close. They're kind of similar vibes in the city. But that's interesting that you're the second Steelers expert that has said that to me in the NFL media industry. Well, as I always say, I am one of society's foremost empaths, but this particular instance <laughs> might be more owed to the fact that I'm not going to root for the football team in Cleveland. I'm not going to wish them well or Cincinnati oh, true. or Baltimore, or some of the other options there. And I can afford a charitable posture where Buffalo is concerned. You don't have any okay. titles. I'm not trying yeah. to take shots, yes, but you, you're, you're, you're <laughs> ruminating, and I fi figured I should fill in the blank there. But all right, let's start here. Well, first of all, I'll say congratulations. As a Bills fan, that was a fun run. That had to be a pretty sweet month and a half or two that you just went through there when you probably thought it was all over for them, or correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, I had someone, uh, a friend of mine, send me a screenshot of a text after they lost on Monday night to the Broncos with the 12 men at the end of the game there. And she like highlighted what I said. She texted me and said, are the bills done? And I said, yeah, there's, there's no way they're going to make it at this point because of how crowded the AFC wildcard race was. The dolphins had a three game lead and it just seemed like there was no way that anyone was going to slow down the dolphins or the bills could just win five straight games to get to the AFC East title uh they ultimately did it so yes i thought at that point 12 games in that the bills were pretty much toast and then the article comes out kind of bashing sean mcdermott and his culture in the locker room and ever since then it kind of galvanized the team josh allen played a little bit better after joe brady became the offensive coordinator and the defense played better even though on that side of the ball there's a lot of injuries the scheme and a lot of uh guys who started the season as backups actually made some big plays down the stretch for the bills Okay, well, let's uh, try and tackle those things, if you will, uh, one sure. by one here. First of all, snow apparently on its way, frigid mm. temps and all of that. Who do you think that favors? Definitely the Steelers, I think. So you remember this, and you are probably the foremost football historian that I know, and probably your listeners know. Wow. That, that in, the, in, the, in the 80s and 90s, it was all... 
the Dolphins never want to come to Buffalo when it's snowy and Jim Kelly and Bruce Smith are gritty players. I don't really think it's an advantage for the Bills anymore. I mean, just look no further than last season in the divisional round against the Cincinnati Bengals. The Bills players were the ones sliding around. The Bengals seemed like they were the greatest show on turf in that game. They they had no problem moving the football. So I think if anything now, um, with so many of the Bills roster either playing their college ball in, in the Southeast or they're just hailing from that part of the country, I don't think they're at this big advantage, especially when it's you know facing the Steelers in the snow. And I think fumbles, ball slipping out of guys' hands, uh, I, I think it kind of levels the playing field with the bills being favored. So I think the snow, the wind, the weather definitely favors Pittsburgh. That's interesting. Yeah. And it is always funny to say to pro football players, like, isn't this a home field advantage for you? The frigid conditions, like, where do you think I'm from, man? I'm from Florida. I didn't grow (laughs) up here. Yeah. Um, I get it, but you, you know, it's the sort of thing that you, your body adjusts to it. So you think that there's an inherent advantage, but before they played the Bengals, as I said, uh, a half hour ago on this show, um, look at Skylar Thompson and the Dolphins almost getting over them and the Dolphins yep. almost beat them at the end of the regular season too. So I don't think they're impregnable just because they're at home and it's cold out. It mm-hmm. has more to do with the advantages they have specifically in the X's and O's over the Steelers. But question number two for you, how concerned is the Bills fan about that offense when you take Gabe Davis out? Now, listen, They still have speed on that offense, but still that does feel like their clear number three weapon in the pass game. How say you if he's out and the assumption that the rookie JPJ Jr. is going to do his best and follow Stephon Diggs all Mm. over the field. So who then emerges in the pass game for the Bills? Okay, so I'm going to give you an answer that might be a little surprising. I'm a believer that the Bills offense is better when Gabe Davis is not on the field. And that Mm. might seem crazy. If you look at the snap counts, he has played the most of any Bills receiver. Um, But he's had a bunch of goose egg games, like no catches, no yards, a couple games, no targets. He doesn't really separate well. And a lot of the big games, if Steelers fans want to go watch the Bills offense to kind of prepare for this uh, game on Sunday, you'll see a lot of the big Gabe Davis games are when he's – broken contain and it's a scramble drill and it's not really within the structure of the play to Mm. answer your question i think we saw it kind of last night not to just have recency bias but khalil shakir the fifth round pick from boise state from last year has really uh been kind of the opposite of gabe davis he's not hitting you know long 75 yard touchdowns but he catches everything Uh, i think his last 13 or 14 targets have gone for catches um he's smaller he's in the slot dalton kincaid is there as, you know, one of the more productive rookie tight ends that we've seen in a while. So I think the offense is better spreading the football around and teams in a, in the middle portion of the season could just say, Hey, look, this bill's number two. He's not really a separator. He does not have the best hands. And like we saw last night um, against the dolphins, not really on the same page with Josh Allen a, a lot. Mm. Like there was four or five instances where there was an option route and Davis goes one way, the ball goes the other way. It's either an interception or it's an intentional grounding against the Bengals, whatever the case may be. So I think that actually in a weird way helps the bills. What I will say though, um, the bills offense, even last night against the dolphins has had times where it struggled out of the gate. Now I think without TJ Watt, 
uh, that maybe makes Bills fans probably feel a little bit more at ease about what mm-hmm. they could do against the Steelers. But like you mentioned, Joey Porter Jr. has been really, really good this season. He's long, athletic. Um, and if you can shut down Stephon Diggs, then you're suddenly saying, all right, now you really are leaning on Deontay Hardy and now Trent Sherfield, who's barely gotten any action this season. And for the Bills to not get off to one of their, what I think really has been almost trademark bad starts throughout the season. Early in the year, they weren't able to overcome that. Down the stretch, they did have some bad starts that they were able to turn into wins. So still a good defense that they're facing in Pittsburgh, but I do think Gabe Davis being out might actually help them. Interesting. Um, confidence letter over a level overall. The narrative, rightly, I guess, really got untracked once Allen started to string the wins together and he was carrying this team, and and so he was. But I got to say, and this isn't me as a Steelers fan trying to talk myself into something, but I have to say, it's a great run. And if you win that many in a row in the NFL, it's an achievement. I'm not overwhelmed by this offense, to your point. I mean, they they had 14 points in the going into the fourth quarter mm-hmm. on a punt return and a deflected pass against a destroy a decimated Miami mm-hmm. defense. I, I I I don't sit in fear, except of obviously Josh Allen doing those extra plays with his legs a couple few times. That to me is what will be the difference in this game. How say you though overall? about the national, the Chris Collinsworth level swooning over Josh Allen. He just doesn't quit. He's resilient. But like, but are you seeing the games? Are you seeing drive for drive what they're doing? It ain't that impressive. Your point is, is good in that the offense isn't this well-oiled machine. Like we've seen in the last couple of years, I think back to 2020 when the bills went 13 and three, they got to the AFC title game, that offense with Diggs in his prime, Cole Beasley still kind of in his prime and John Brown, Gabe Davis was their number four that season. Hmm. That offense was every single time they got the ball. It really felt like they're going to probably score a touchdown. Just a matter of how they're going to do it. Is it going to be a long play or methodical drive this year? A lot more, stagnancy at times in times where they can have four or five drives where they the offense looks bad but to your point about the Collinsworth and the prime time and the recency bias I think that's all legitimate um because he has done some of those heroic things third and 13 scramble I think against the Philadelphia Eagles in the rain made a bunch of ridiculous throws so I think when you're the Steelers when you're Mike Tomlin when you're the defensive coordinator you're like we may have the perfect play on say two thirds of the bills offensive plays, but it's those other one third plays that Josh Allen can run outside the pocket. A lot of times, like on that third and 13, I feel like Josh Allen was like, I don't care what the pass play is here. I'm not going to throw a pass. I'm just going to run for this first down. And like Collinsworth and like anyone's would, would say, you really cannot scheme to stop that. You can't prepare and say, all right, we're just going to cover perfectly and we're also going to stop this six foot five, 250 pound quarterback from diving through our linebackers and secondary guys to get the first down. So you're right. The offense is not uh, one that has clicked as well as it has in the past, but there is that Josh Allen element as well. Boy, it's so true. It's it's really like the hierarchy of Avengers. If you kind of think about mm. it that way, you know, Hawkeye's in the Avengers, but come on, he's not, he ain't going to do nothing to Thanos. We have to get to Dr. Strange. And up from there, Josh Allen, I mean, everybody in the NFL is a hero, a you know, superhero adjacent, but there's a different level. 
And TJ Watt is one of those, like, you know, yes. he, okay. If we're going to tangle with Thanos, we better send the Hulk. And I feel like without that, that probably is the difference unless the Steelers benefit from a couple, you know, fluke adjacent plays and the bills mm -hmm. get none of them like they did against Miami. Okay. Two more things real quick. I don't want to hold you up. One confidence level specifically, you know, that given how the Steelers have been grinding teams up, running the ball in this little streak of theirs, how confident are you in the Bills' ability to stop that from happening? In terms of just like grinding out long drives on the ground? How long? I mean, how confident are you that the that the Bills, that McDermott, obviously McDermott and Tomlin is a little side story, mm -hmm. close pals sure. and all that. There, there's some shared headspace. I'm sure McDermott knows what his old pal wants to do, and it's pretty rudimentary that the Steelers are going to try to spin the clock and run the ball. That's the premise of this game, you would think. Do you think that the Bills have a ability without selling out to do so, the ability to just stuff that Steelers run game? The Bills run defense has been pretty good this season, despite losing Milano early. They lost Daquan Jones for a while, who's been such a good nose tackle. He's back. Um, I think actually, and we didn't we didn't really see this in the first half against the Dolphins. The Bills th with Sean McDermott, they've always liked to be light on the defensive line and light in terms of just weight at linebacker. I think they're and we saw it in the second half against the Dolphins. They're actually constructed defensively to stop those pitches and outside runs because of how fast they are. The Steelers with Isaac Suamalo and and those guys inside. I think we're going to see a lot of dive plays up the middle they're not really that well suited to stop that type of run game i, they have, I think that's absolutely there are different ways to skin the cat running the ball yes they and have the Steelers are going to try to go between the tap Najee harris likes to try to bounce it he fancies himself sometimes being sure. uh being one of those uh speed guys but yes if he behaves himself and and does what he does best yeah i think that the bills could have some legit trouble stopping that as long as the steelers take care of the football there yeah, and again, I'll go back to another historical football game. I think what the the Steelers will try to do is what Bill Belichick and Bill Parcells did to the Bills in the what ninety one Super Bowl, Super Bowl twenty five, where they're going to try to win the the time of possession. If they can have a eight minute drive that's twelve plays, that it's ten rushes and two passes. And then you force the Bills to be perfect on offense. And up oh, there's one interception. Up oh, there's a fumble. That's the recipe for teams like the Giants to stick with the Bills earlier in the season or the Broncos to stay to stick with the Bills, to hold on to the football, grind out those long runs. And that's what the Steelers did against the Ravens in the rain, what they did, um, you know, Seattle, in other against Seattle. Same thing. So I think you're right in that if this was a team that was based on we like we want to run the ball to the outside, we have speedy outside running backs, I would say, I think the bills are really well prepared or equipped to stop that. But the grinding out Najee Harris interior run game uh, actually could work for Pittsburgh. Do I think the bills are super susceptible on the ground? No, but I do think if there is a place where they might be a little bit, the coverage unit is very good. The scheme is good. It would probably be on those inside runs just because of the lack of size and just girth that the bills have in their front seven. Well, I agree with you that they do like to go lighter. And that then means, and especially the way these ground-based teams go at it, 
the it's almost paradoxical if you don't watch these teams do it. Those teams typically try to jump you early, get some early points so that they then can just lean on the run um, for as much of the game as possible. Mm hmm. Curse of Sposta hangs plainly over the Buffalo's Buffalo, the 10 point favorites at the time of this recording. They have Josh Allen. The Steelers have their third string quarterback. Curse of Sposta fears for the team that absolutely has to have this one or it's still a bad season in Buffalo one. But about that other quarterback. Concern level that Mace has a devil may care attitude and has the ability and the weapons and against that Bill's defense the ability to maybe make a couple special plays downfield. Yeah, so kind of segueing off what we just talked about with the Steelers' run game, I also think, and I'm assuming you would agree, that what they're going to try to do, run the ball up the middle, run the ball up the middle, play action over the top to George Pickens. And George Pickens can make ridiculous catches over Micah Hyde, over Jordan Poyer, even if the coverage is perfect. Suddenly, again, if it's 7-0 and then there's a fumble and it's 10-0, the Steelers will be exactly where they want to be. And we all remember what the uh, regular season opener two years ago. That's right. I think about that one. That is the curse is supposed to where I remember telling my friends, I was like, that crowd coming off the AFC title game, they all come back. There's no way the Steelers with the 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 last season of Ben Roethlisberger that they're going to win that game. There's no, and they forced a couple turnovers and they blocked a punt and suddenly they went, they went into Orchard Park. Big, big underdogs. I don't remember what the actual spread was. I bet you it was about Sunday. 10 as a matter of fact. It was probably between 10 and 13 and they won that game by a touchdown. So the formula is there and I think for being two teams that are not in the same division because of the Tomlin McDermott dynamic, they actually know each other and they played recently. They, I think, actually know each other relatively well. The one thing, if you're a Steelers fan, I think watching a lot of Mason Rudolph is that the under pressure, like he does not have great ball security and the Bills pass rush is very deep. And Sean McDermott is a lot more of a aggressive defensive play caller than Leslie Frazier was. So it, it could kind of be the opposite where a sack early turns into a fumble and then it's suddenly 10, nothing bills. And then you're asking Mason Rudolph to drop back to pass a lot, obvious passing situations. That's kind of the way for the formula for the bills to get out to that lead and be in a good spot. I, I absolutely see that. Yes. The, the thing that nobody will talk about this week is exactly what you were just talking about there. Obviously, this is a pro football game being played in early 2024. The Steelers are going to throw the ball at some point, everybody. They and they're going to gonna have to make some plays doing that. And to me, it really is. They are susceptible, are your bills. On the back end, it's just that the pass rush negates it. If you if Mason Rudolph can hold on to that ball for an extra half a beat, he's going to have the opportunity because they're going to be slight on the back end given what they're going to devote to stop the run game. There's going to be a chance there. I completely agree. The dynamic um, nature of that pass rush is scary, though, when you see number two drop back there, uh, what the, that Bills defense could do and end the game before it really even gets going. You know, they the Steelers get down 10. Obviously, we can look ahead to the draft. And that is what we will look forward to talking with Chris Trapasso about at some point between now and the draft. If you'll have us, if you'll join us, we'd love it. Scoutinggradebook.com. Listen to and see all of Trapasso's work. Also, CBS Sports. 
in the meantime, man, enjoy it. These are the good times. Playing in January. It's a playoff yes. game. An extra few days to buzz about your favorite football team and worry and wake up in the middle of the night and think, I hope we don't lose this game. These are the good times for the sports fan, right? Absolutely. And before I go, I want to add uh, a Dave Damashek bit that has become that I think it is is in the power rankings of Damashek bits. NFL, Cursus Bosta, you posting the power rankings of the NFL standings every week is one of, I mean, I, I laugh every time, <laughs> even though I know it's coming. And I, I've made it a religious practice of mine to check the comments and see the people arguing with you. I just think it is so on brand for you and so funny. And just aligns with, again, I, I still think NFL is number one. Cursus Post is number two. And now in that, I got to find one more to, to really round out the Mount Rushmore, but I love the power rankings of the NFL standings. I think it's, well, so it's great. definitely something stupid, but, uh, <laughs> but I appreciate it. Yeah. What, what it is, by the way, everybody is I go to the ESPN.com. I hit not the division tab, not the conference tab, but the league tab. And it puts the teams by record one through 32. And then I publish that on Twitter and then people get upset. Dave, you're, you're crazy if you think that team should go ahead of that team. Like, and yet I have. <laughs> Deal with it. Hey, Trapasso, enjoy it. Um, you know, we'll look forward to seeing who the Bills catch. I Deep down, maybe the Steelers shouldn't even bother. You know, jet fuel is expensive. And you know what? Just enjoy the playoffs yourselves this weekend, Steelers. <laughs> Why go up to Buffalo? No one's giving you any chance, right? No one believes in you, Steelers. But it almost seems like, yeah, it almost seems like that is where the Steelers like operate best. Like that's been the case now, I would say for the last three years for the Steelers, like the whole, are they going to be over 500 to keep the streak alive? And every year they do it. So this is not a team that is the 2011 Steelers or the 04 Steelers suddenly like, oh man, we're only nine and eight. We're underdogs. They're used to this. I mean, Steelers fans like you that have seen so much winning and so much success relatively new, but for the players on this team, I don't really think being underdogs on the road is that new of an occasion for them. So if there's any team, I think in the entire first round of these playoffs, that's equipped to sparking an upset just based on what they've dealt with. It's probably the Steelers. Oh, it would be so funny. I know it wouldn't be for you, but it would amuse <laughs> me. And if they got to go to Baltimore for the divisional round, I think everybody outside of Buffalo would be over the moon to see that one. Uh, yeah. be, then again, Browns at Ravens would be pretty good too. Anyway, listen, like I say, one of the true draft guys to lean on a lot of phonies in that, uh, in that little area these days, but Trapasso is the OG or not the OG, but he is the genuine article when it comes to evaluating these college kids as they get ready for the pros. So make sure you're checking him out. We'll get him back in here um, before the draft. Meantime, thanks Pally. And uh, let's kib it soon. Thanks. Jack. There he goes. Trapasso. And here we go to spaghetti final thoughts from you. You heard from two Chris's. Who did you think was more credible in their game analysis? Well, check. Like I told you, I, I thought that the matchup for your Steelers would have been easier for it was the Chiefs. I think there is a path 
um, for the the Steelers, obviously, just you know, with the turnovers that Allen creates and the the great defenders you have on your squad there, uh, Mason Rudolph is aggressive, which is a good thing. Um, and and the Chiefs, uh, sorry, the Bills are a different offense now since the Brady takeover at OC. Uh, Stephon Diggs has kind of been out of the mix in a way that helps you guys out. You can focus yourself on the other pass catches on the, the double tight end sets. I guess, but from a Bills insider like Trapasso, that's pretty interesting point. And he's probably right about that. They're better without Gabe Gabe Davis. Yeah. Yeah. And that's true. And true. I mean, Gabe Davis burned a lot of teams in fantasy as well. A lot of, a lot of goose eggs is definitely spot on about that. I I would say, I mean, obviously I'm, uh, I don't know if it's obvious, but I am going to go with the Bills here, but I do think it should be a very, very close game. And, you know, we're talking off air, no matter what. Wait, as a win, as a win, or are you saying you're going to lay the 10? Oh no! I I mean I would take the Steelers in the points. I think it's gonna be the Bills oh, you are? win. Okay, good. The the Bills win, but I think this game will be close. Um, I I think that no matter what happens in this game, like making the playoffs alone is an achievement. I think for organizations that have been struggling, and not the Steelers are you know struggle because they always go above five hundred, but. It's dumb to be like, oh, we have issues at these positions. Let's lose, 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 and just keep hoping that something will change in the offseason. That's not good for a fan base. It's not good for the coaching staff. It's not good for the players in the locker room. Uh, and take this from a Giants fan who had that win last year, a playoff victory, not even just an appearance, but a playoff victory on the road over the Vikings. Um, yeah, you can say what you want about Daniel Jones and all that. I don't want to make this about the Giants, but um, it's definitely more beneficial for a team and for a fan base and all that stuff I said to win a game and to get into the playoffs. So, um, whatever happens to the Steelers team, even if they lose, uh, I think it's a a very an insane season with three different quarterbacks to make it there is an achievement. Yeah, I, I, you know, I get it spiritually, well, not spiritually, practically, maybe the Giants would have done themselves a favor by laying down. But as I always say, like these these are not si- a loss is not a siloed event that you just walk away from. It comes with it, it comes with injury going forward then it makes you question things unless you actually are trying to lose a game, which is much harder to do than, than I think the casual fan thinks it is for an organization to purposely lose a football game when there's a player's union that requires guys go out there and all that kind of stuff and personal pride and uh, professionalism about putting good tape out there for your next employee, all that stuff. It's hard to tank a game. Bottom line, you don't know what's going to be in two months from now, but beating the Eagles and, turning that town on its ear if you're a Giants fan has to be satisfying so good for you and uh, better luck next year to all the teams on the outside of the tournament congratulations to all those in it everybody's got a shot including my Pittsburgh Steelers we can't wait to pick all those games for you me Kevin Hench and Eddie Spaghetti will do that on the 15 minute pregame show yes we're running it all the way through the postseason like we already told you and before that we'll have a fresh episode for you Earlier in the week, Wednesday, Thursday, be on the lookout for it. Obviously, we're going to be focused in on these NFL playoffs. I'm also on Trendy this week with Toby Mergler. Make sure you're checking that out. Eddie Spaghetti and Jim Piacente rolling on with Waiver Wired, all the great shows on the Extra Points Network. Check them out in this all-important month on the sports calendar. We'll talk to you soon. Until then, thanks so much, sports fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven 